How you guys doing today? Woo, man. Crazy times we're living in, huh? I don't even know what's going on. I mean, honestly, I can't watch the news. I'm not mature enough. I'm just not able to watch and see what's going on. So, listen, if something major happens in the world, you guys got to call me because I'm not going to I'm not going to look. I just don't care. I don't feel it matters. I feel it upsets my walk with God. And so at the moment, I am boycotting the news. So, uh, yeah. If you love me, if uh, World War III is hitting, give me a buzz. Text me. <laughs> I love you guys. I hope you're well. I hope you are finding peace. I hope you're finding time to uh, love your families. To read your word. To, uh, to pray. To put Jesus first in your life. I mean, we have this new normal that we are all experiencing right now. And it's crazy. I mean, it's filled with isolation and fear. Two things that we as Christians should never, ever have. Because God made us to be a tribe. God made us to have fellowship, to have unity together. And then we have this fear of COVID and, and, and people dying and people getting really sick. And so, man, these, these two things are a, a recipe for disaster. And I'm worried. I'm worried about all of us. I'm worried about our cities and our nations. But you know what I'm not worried about? I'm not worried about who is in control. Amen? Because God is in control. I can promise you that the sun will come up tomorrow. That the birds will be singing just like they are right now. I can tell you that, that God is still in charge. I think a lot of people are starting to doubt that God is in charge. Because all the things that are going on in the world today are scary. But you know what? We should not fear. And we should not be concerned. And we should trust that our Heavenly Father is enough. And I know that it seems like evil is winning. But I want to remind you that, that God has a way of restoring his lost children. It may seem harsh, but we need to remember who we are, how stubborn we are, how prideful we are. I mean, we stand firmly on the American dream that if, that if we can build it, they will come. But sadly, I'm afraid that, that none of our leaders have even asked God if they should have built it. And I think that's what's going on all across the globe right now. Is that there's a lot of things we've done. There's a lot of things we've built that we never asked God. We never asked Him if that was okay. I think we are living in a time where where both sides of the aisle have truly 
stopped asking God for advice. They just keep building their towers of Babel and they, they think they can reach the human nirvana on their own merit. You guys know about the Tower of Babel, right? I mean, after the flood, uh, these people all came together and they all spoke one language and they all were working together and they're like, hey, let's build this tower to heaven. Man's thinking, right? We're just going to bypass God. We're going to go to heaven ourselves. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a couple self-help books in the library that had the exact same idea. Don't buy them. You can't build a tower. There is no stairway to heaven. There's a lady who's sure that she's buying a stairway to heaven. Amen. When she gets there, she finds. Oh, man. Yeah, we're living in crazy times. This is Genesis 11, 1 through 9. It says, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone, and they used tar for mortar. And then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heaven, so that we may make a name for ourselves, and otherwise we will be scattered all over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them far all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You guys need to understand it wasn't the tower that was the issue. Really, I mean it wasn't. It was the heart behind the tower. They wanted to reach heaven without God. Man over and over again gets to to place where we think we get to a place where we think we don't need God. That we are just as smart and capable as He is. And I have to tell you, that is scary to me because that is a spirit. That is an evil spirit that comes into our hearts. It comes into the hearts of men and women and unleashes all hell on earth. Literally. 1 John 4, 1 through 3 says this. It says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This, this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming 
and even now is already in the world. This was written 2,000 years ago. The spirit of Antichrist has been with us since the beginning of time. And I'm not going to go into eschatology today, but, but humans, a lot smarter than me, they debate the end times constantly. Today, I just want you to understand this. The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well on planet Earth. Every mob, every senseless killing, every time someone demonstrates hatred for their fellow man, that is the spirit of Antichrist. And we as believers need to recognize that and stand against it with prayer. The Word of God. John went on to talk about the best defense against the spirit. This is 1 John 4, 7 through 10. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God knew all along that we were never going to be able to live up to his standard. The moment we understand this, that is the beginning of knowledge. Amen? It's humbling to admit that we have faults. That we are never going to measure up. No matter how hard we try. But that is where all of our faith begins. That is where we turn and look at the cross. And realize that, that we need a Savior. That is why we need Jesus. Romans 3.20-24 says this. It says, Therefore, no one will ever be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Hmm. Praise God for that, right? That's a good word. I think it's time that we, we start to walk a different path in our faith. I think we are at no time I think that we're actually at a time, I'm sorry, where we're right or left. It just does not matter anymore. No political party is, is going to save us. The only thing that will defeat this human spirit of Antichrist is love. Standing tall in our faith and yet not raising our voice, not crossing a line, not picking up our brothers and sisters that have fallen, 
We have to pick them up. We can't be in judgment. We can't have indifference. We have to show Christ's love. The only thing that's going to save our world is us showing the love of God. Demonstrating. You and me, the ecclesia, the church, demonstrating God's love for every human being. Psalms 139 and 140, this is uh, verse 23 through uh, 142. It's funny how sometimes the Bible cuts things up. <laughs> but I think these two go together, so I'm going to read it as a, as a whole. It says, search me, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Rescue me, Lord, from evildoers. Protect me from the violent who devise evil plans in their hearts and stir up war every day. You guys see that? Do you see how how people are stirring up war every day? How the news and how different groups and sects are, are trying to stir us up. Trying to cause division and hatred. Trying to cause you and I to, to dislike each other because of the color of our skin. Fools. There's one race. The human race. And if anyone stands up as a Christian and tries to say that's not true, I don't see where they have the love of God in them. There is no difference between us. We are all humans and, and God loves each and every one of us exactly the same. We need to wake up every morning and choose Jesus. That is how we are going to fight this war. That is how we are going to win this battle on our knees. It's a daily choice. The world is screaming for us to pick a side, but we need to pick Jesus. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Promise you. Are there going to be moments where you feel alone? Yes. You will feel all alone. Are we going to have moments that, that we are going to be with our backs up against the wall? And our only hope is Jesus? Absolutely. But remember, Jesus was always our only hope that is the path that leads to a relationship with God that is the path that Jesus took over 2,000 years ago when he picked up his cross and carried it to Golgotha all of this reminds me of Joshua when he encouraged Israel to renew their covenant with God they'd been delivered out of Egypt 
They had fought kings and kingdoms all the way to the Jordan River. And when they crossed the Jordan River, God delivered Jericho into their hands. He drove out enemies with hornets. So they never had to raise a sword. And yet, and yet they're wanting to turn back to false gods. They're letting the spirit of Antichrist creep into their camps and into their homes. I know some of you guys are thinking, well, Christ hadn't been born yet. <laughs> How could there be a spirit of Antichrist? Remember that Jesus was part of creation, right? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, and the Word was with God. The word is Jesus. Jesus has always been. And when Satan and the angels fell, when they were kicked out, thus began the spirit of Antichrist. Satan, his demons, that spirit is the spirit of Antichrist. Joshua knew. Joshua knew that Israel had to be challenged to return to their first love, which was Jehovah God. This is Joshua 21.15, or 24.15, I'm sorry. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I encourage all of you to maybe set an alarm on your phone. So every morning when you, when you pick up your phone, that scripture is displayed in a, as a calendar event. Or maybe make a three by five card and put it somewhere you see every single day. So you are reminded. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That is who we are. That is my makeup. That is who God made me to be. And obviously that's who he's made you to be. You're, you're listening right now because you feel a nudge from God. You are here in person because you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit encouraging you to walk in relationship with God, to have something deeper. I mean, I feel we all need to be walking in covenant with Jesus. We need to be taking communion together we need to be praying together. We need to sing and worship God together. Now is the time that we stand together and say, not on my watch. This ship is not going down while I still have breath. I will fight the enemy with prayer and rejoicing. I'm not calling you to arms. Quite the contrary. Again, I'm calling you to your knees. 
I'm calling you to prayer. I'm calling you to worship. I'm calling you to fast. I'm calling you to communion. I'm calling you to be Christians. Servants of the Most High God. I'm calling you to read your Bible. I'm calling you to raise a hallelujah. You are sons and daughters of the living God. We need to remember. We need to remember that we, that He, that only He can change hearts and minds. And He can do it with the weather. He can do it with the locust. And do it with the hornet. He does not need us to be Peter. He does not need us to rise a sword and cut off someone's ear. He needs us to rise up in love and praise and not have a spirit of fear. The world needs to see the church in this time as loving and brave, fearless in the sight of men. Romans 8, 14 through 15 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you about, brought you to your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. God's personal. He's not like, sir, oh, gracious Holy Father. And yes, we, we, do, we do show reverence. But I also want you to call him Daddy. I, wa- I want you to call him Abba. Abba, Father, is close. It's personal. It's the Greek for, for Papa. He is your Papa. I want to finish today with this thought that I had this last weekend on the 4th of July. Our, our time away did not turn out to be the way that I thought it was going to be. But you know what? God moves. Even when things don't seem easy, God moves. Even when times get hard, We need to remember that God moves. God is in charge. I am not. I am but a lowly servant. So we're up at the lake, and you know, our our dear friends, our adopted parents, the Tharps, they, um, they always have a barbecue at their house every year. Obviously, this year, some things happened. It wasn't exactly the way we'd planned. There was no big fireworks at the lake this year. COVID kept a lot of people away. Uh, Bob had a little injury. So there was a small gathering, a small group of friends and believers. And we're all outside, enjoying each other's company, some with masks on, some without. But we were all at peace. We got to talking about end times and various divisions in the church. I should have stopped. I really should have stopped and just grabbed my guitar to sing or something, but I didn't. 
I tried to defend my position. And honestly, God never, ever needs us to defend his word. It all comes out in the end. But as I was listening and praying for wisdom, God told me that it was time for us to have a deeper faith than Abraham. And I want you to hear what I just said. We are entering into a time where we need to have a deeper faith than Abraham. And when we talk about faith in the Bible, we talk about Abraham. Abraham is the pillar of faith for the Christian church. So obviously, this threw me. And I'm questioning, God, what? What are you saying to me? And then I heard that still, small voice. And he said, you need to have the faith of Isaac. Mind blown for me. Isaac was a little boy. But he was used to the customs. He'd been circumcised. He knew parts of the law. And when his dad says they're going away to a mountain to do a sacrifice, he notices things. Huh, there's, we got all this wood don't have a lamb. This is a simple truth that we have missed. And maybe some people have and I just missed. But here's the story. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's that important. This is Genesis 22, 1 through 13. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, God, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. I'm going to pause there for a second. Abraham had faith. It's important that we, that we see, he says, we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham believed. Many believed that he, he thought God would, would resurrect his son. That he would rise him from the dead. He had that kind of faith in God. That's why we consider Abraham to be a man of faith. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it 
on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Isaac, Isaac knows. Isaac knows right then and there. Isaac knows. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Isaac knows, but he's trusting his dad. He's trusting his father. We need to understand that. That even though we might get laid on this altar of life, even though things might get really serious, we need to be Isaac and trust our father. Our Father God. <laughs> Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do, want, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your son from me, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. We always talk about Abraham's faith. And granted, it was great. I can't even imagine the thoughts in my mind that God asked me to lay down one of my children. I pray that never happens. I pray that never happens for any of us. But what about Isaac? Here he is, laying on the altar, tied up, his father holding a knife over him. We know he had figured it out. He had figured it out a while ago when he asked his dad where the lamb was. And Isaac was a very young man. He had not spent as much time with God. He had not seen the miracles. He had not seen the provisions that God had provided like his father had. He only really knew his father. 
I think that is what God is asking of us right now. That we are to trust the Father. That we need to be about what the Father is doing. And trust that His plans are better than our plans. Now is the time that we look at how Jesus, our Savior, always said that He is going about the business of His Father. We need to be about doing the Father's business. We need to follow the Son and show love to the lost and dying world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I know you're preparing all of our hearts. And Father, I, I truly, I truly did not know and I still don't necessarily know what you're calling us. But I know, Father, you, you want us to be Isaacs. You want us to trust you, Father God. To trust the Father. To absolutely put our faith in Daddy God. So, Lord, I, I pray for that simple faith for all of us today. That you transform us into that childlike state, Lord God, that just sees God as our provider, our protector, our everything. I pray, Father God, that we can understand this, that we can, that we can cling to this. And Father, as we go about our lives, as we go about loving other people, Help us to trust God. Help us not to get caught up in the anger. Help us to not get caught up in the things of this world. But to trust that you have a plan, Father. To trust that you, you are going to provide the land. And I know in my heart of hearts, Lord God, that you already did. And his name was Jesus. We love you, God. And we praise you. We give you all the glory. In his holy and precious name. Amen. Mm. I love you guys. I'm so glad we got to hang out today. I truly believe that this is a message that God wants all of us to hear. He wants to change our hearts. He wants us to get in the game. So I encourage you to have Isaac faith. To trust your father. Trust that he has a plan. And that he's going to see us through. Amen? Amen. I love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.